listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Man, I'm so excited to share with you guys this morning. For those of you that were not here last week, um, my wife and I just got back from sabbatical. We ended up taking a few weeks off and just going, and we wanted to thank you guys again for just releasing us for that time. We just had an amazing time with our family with our children, building memories, but we are so excited and expectant for what God has in 2023. How many of you feel that way? Yeah. Oh, four of you. Awesome. Praise God. So that, is that how we're going to start the year? <laughs> I am excited and expectant. In, in all that God did in 2022 for us and our family, we felt so blessed in 2022. There was so much expansion and growth. And at the same time, I recognize that for everyone, it wasn't great. There were some of us that 2022 was a difficult year, but that's the beautiful thing about January, right? January is a time where we get, in a sense, a reset. A lot of people right now, they're reevaluating their lives. They're setting goals, priorities. January is a time where everybody's reading Genesis. This is the year. Well, we'll read the Bible all the way through. It's the most read book of the Bible. (laughs) But, but it's a time for us to reevaluate what's important, what matters. What, do I, what am I giving my life to? And I like that. I like times and seasons in our lives where we get a reset to just take a step back and say, God, what am I giving my life to? Whether you know it or not, you are giving your life to something. You're not just aimlessly going through life. Whether you're conscious of it or not, whether or not you're connected to what you're, you are giving your life to something. It's the same thing Marcus just said. Whether or not you disciple your children is irrelevant. They are being discipled. It's not just not happening. They are being indoctrinated. Something is happening. And so for us, as we go about life, it is good. Say it's good. It's good for us to just take a step back and say, God, I just want to be aware and evaluate the trajectory of where my life is going. So I'm doing this thing now. Um, because I really into, into that, this core value thing, God. I want to re- reevaluate my core values. Core values would be what, what matters to GL? What are the things that govern my life and why I say yes and why I say no? How many of you know both matter? Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so I'm on this journey, and as I'm on this journey, I'm doing something called the Life Atlas, and it asks me a question. It says, when you are at the end of your life, on your deathbed, and you cross over to this, I'm like, wow, this is the beginning of this journal. I don't know about this journal. <laughs> it says, what do you want people to say about you? Now, that's a loaded question because the world would define success because that's why we're, why do you reevaluate your goals? Why do you sit down and reassess? Because all of us, inside of us, we have a longing and desire to be great. I don't know anyone that just, oh, I just want to be mediocre at life. I'm just cool with that, bro. No one. The reason people struggle, the reason there is a longing and a pushing forward is because we all have a desire to do something with our lives. The last thing we want to do is go throughout our lives and say, what a waste. Anybody agree? And so as I'm thinking about this question, all of these things come up because what has to happen in your life at some point is what you do and who you're becoming or wanting to become, they have to intersect. Say it again. The person you are wanting to become and the thing that you are doing right now at a certain point have to intersect. If not, you're going to end up living a double-minded life, being unstable in all of your ways. And for many of us, we've set values. There are things when you go really deep down, things that are goals that you have set. And part of what I'm recognizing is I've not always sat down and dreamt with God or thought about the beginning from the end or the end from the beginning. Many times for many of us, we have based our values, our goals, our definitions of success based on people we have looked at and said, well, that's success. Therefore, they do this. Therefore, now I must do that. And what God is peeling back in the season, and I want to just lay this before you and then lay a foundational truth. Because at the end of this month, we're going to be at a conference called Friends of the Bridegroom. And it's going to be an amazing time. But if you don't settle within you right now and to hear what matters most, it'll be just a three days, an emotional experience that will not be sustained. How many of you just want to live? Like the more that I go about life, I'm less impressed with great flashes of greatness. I want to see consistent dedication. Oh, I don't care about your weekend burning for the Lord. I want to see 20, 30, 40, 60 years. 
where you're not living from prophetic word to prophetic word. You don't have to go to the conference. I love all that. We do that. But what I'm saying is what gets me going, what gets me excited is when I sit with someone that year after year, they're just in the prayer room. They just read through their Bible every year. They're just asking God, God, show me more of who you are. That's what I want. Faithful, consistent dedication to the person of Jesus. Whether I have a lot, it's the Paul thing. I have learned to be content. Whether I have a lot or a little. A little influence, a lot of influence. A lot of social status, none of it. I don't care if I'm hidden or on a platform. I just want to know you. So think about this. If this becomes a priority... For every Christian, there's no greater calling than the calling to know him. That's right. This is the, we say this all the time, this is the supreme, the highest, the pinnacle. The pinnacle meaning the peak of the Christian life is your desire, your longing to know him. Now in the church world, we have got it twisted because we made the second commandment the first commandment. People are like, no, 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 I'm a second commandment person. You cannot, you cannot fulfill second commandment without giving yourself to first commandment. Like, okay, what are you talking about? I want to take us to Matthew real quick, 22. And I want to read to us, and I want to talk to us this morning about the call to love God with all of our heart. Like, here we go, bro. I've heard, I've heard the great commandment message, and I would submit to you, this is the danger with these kinds of scriptures. That these are monumentous truths. Like, the fact that God would say on a mountain, his last sermon he would ever give to the people of Israel, you would want to lean in and say, what is God? What's the last thing that God in the flesh is going to say to his people? This is the last thing. This is his last sermon. And he stands up on the mount and he gives this dissertation. And in the midst of that, somebody asks him, what is the greatest commandment? And this would matter. Even though they were trying to tra trap him, it wouldn't matter, right? Because these were people that they lived their life from the place of filling obligation and duty and commandments. And now they were saying to, the, to this rabbi, to who would be the Messiah, what's the most important thing? In our context, we say, man, we want to keep the main thing the main thing, which beckons the question, what is the main thing? And Jesus would stand up and he would say, this is the greatest commandment. I want to read it to you. Say, you shall, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first, say first, and the greatest, say greatest. The first and the greatest commandment. Then he goes on, and the second commandment is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he drops this bomb on them, and I love this, because why do I love this scripture? Because it gives us context now for what God considers great. Now, we would consider great many things. Some people think, well, if you've got X amount of money, you're doing great. If you've got X amount of influence, you're doing great. If you can lay hands on the sick and they can recover, great. If you can give prophetic words, great. If you come to church, great. But God redefines success and greatness by saying, this is what greatness is. That you would love me with all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your heart. And Mark, he would add all of your strength. And everybody's like, wait, wait, wait. So it's not about me memorizing Torah? It's not about like all of, it's not about fulfilling all of the obligations and the doing? And what God is honing in on is I'm more interested in the kind of person you're becoming than the kind of activity that you are doing. Now, we're really into activity because we base like how much, man, that, that's a high capacity person because why? Because they do a lot. I don't hear a lot of person ascribing value saying, man, that person is amazing. Why? They really love Jesus. When's the last time you heard that? Man, you should get that person on your ministry team. Why? They love the Lord with all their heart. It's like, man, you should get that. They're anointed and they have giftings and they have a following. But God continues. Again, he stands and is the last thing he says to all of the people of Israel is this is greatness. And why is this the great equalizer? Because no matter where you are in life, you can do this. It doesn't matter if you're good with a microphone or not. It doesn't matter if you could sing a song or not. It doesn't matter how good you are at this, that, or the other. The great equalizer is when I stand before the Lord. Every person in this room, whether you believe in God or not, you are going to stand before his throne. It's the great and terrible day of the Lord. 
Every single one of us, we will stand before him. And the account we give to our lives is how well did you live out Matthew 22? Hear me today. Some of you have already glazed, oh, here we go, bro, the love the Lord God thing. I know that. I heard that, bro. I get it. I've heard, man, I mean, I've been hearing this. Oh, can you talk about something else? Because we're really good at graduating from the fundamentals. And so instead of, instead of really locking in on that which will give us life and liberate our hearts, we want to move into the thing that everybody sees. Therefore, we can get one of these and feel better about ourselves. But I'm telling you, this, this passage right here, this, this Matthew 22, it speaks to us deeply. Think about this. What kind of king governs his kingdom in this way? Every other king, the basis for being successful within the kingdom is what can you do for me? In the context of David being king, it talks about the mighty men. Why were there mighty men? Because they did mighty exploits. Therefore, the mighty ones in that kingdom were determined by how many people you conquered. And here comes God, and he's giving us insight. That's not the way I govern my kingdom. I'm not going to measure success by what you do or your level of servitude. I'm going to measure it by your inward longing and loving towards me. Oh, think about this. You walk outside tonight, and you look up at the sky, at the billions of stars, and the God who created that is intentional about your love. He has everything in the world, but the only thing he doesn't have is something that you can voluntarily give. Love. Now, at some point in eternity, forevermore and past, God, the Son, and the Spirit were sharing this intense fellowship of love. And at some point, they said, we have to share this with others. We're going to create a race. And they, they're not going to be like angels. They're not just going to live because there's billions of angels that serve him. He has that. But I'm going to create a new race of people. And this fellowship and this loving dynamic that we share with one another, now I'm going to share it with them. And I'm going to hope that they're going to give it back to me. Do you see how this gives us insight to the God that we serve? Why it makes sense that when nothing else in the Old Testament narrative went, happened, or worked, he said, I'm going to send my son because I will have them. Do you understand how this can liberate your heart from the competition Many of you are like, man, I wish I could just be like so-and-so. I wish I could just be as anointed or as gifted or as good, whatever good means to you. God's like, I want you to be free from all of that. I want you to be free. All I'm asking from you is that you would love me. That year after year, week after week, month after month, you would continue to move towards me. Are you alive? There is nothing. Say nothing. There's nothing more important than this. I don't care how apostolic, a true apostolic church is grounded in the love of God. It is settled. It is a settled matter in their heart. I'm going to mess up and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to flounder. But my heart is never going to stop reaching. I'm never going to stop pursuing. I'm never going to stop receiving. I'm not going to graduate from a revelation of his love. And the good thing is this doesn't start with us. Let's say today you make a determination. I'm going to love God with all my heart. You grit your teeth, you white knuckle it, I'm going to love him. By next Thursday, you're going to be wore out. That just sucks. Doesn't know what he's talking about. Because the only way to truly walk out first love is to come to a recognition that first he loved us. This is why we're called abide. John 15 has been a, a huge chapter for us. We could take the next 52 weeks, I promise you, and I could preach out of John 15. But in John 15, 9, it is one of the most profound verses in all of the Bible because he's talking about abiding in him, his words abiding in you. But then he starts talking about abiding in my love and he makes this statement. John 15, 9, as the Father loved me, I also, say also, I also have loved you. That's not just a statement that we just read and just, that's a freaking statement. He turns to his disciples in the up, this is the upper room discourse, maybe, uh, let's say, six to eight hours before they're all going to betray him. He's giving them this discourse, and in the midst of that, he says, I want you to know something. You know how much the Father loves me. They've been with him through, yeah, yeah, we know. We've seen. <laughs> we heard the voice. This is my son in whom I, the way that that guy loves me, 
I have loved you. So therefore, remain in my love. The Amplified Version says, do not doubt my love. Think about that. Many of us have become so exhausted because we've come to an altar and we try to settle and strive our way into relationship with Jesus instead of saying, God, I need you to help me. I need you to help. I need you to help me understand the way the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Spirit, so therefore I can understand the way you love me. Therefore, something can, can become solidified in my heart. I'm not gonna live from a place of orphanhood. I'm not gonna believe that God loves me more if I read my Bible more. I'm not gonna believe that God loves me more if I join a serve team or I'm in prayer room. All of those things will help you love him. But if you don't solidify in your heart, I am loved, I am chosen, and I am adored by God, none of that will be sustained. Yeah. It's why you see so many people, bro, I'm a, well, I'm a second commandment guy. I'm about the people. And everybody loves that, man. We're about the nations, we're about the people. And they're loving and they're claiming profession for a name, but they're faceless people. Because everybody loves to help the poor until they're poor in front of them. Everybody loves to go to the nation until they're cutting people's heads off an hour and a half away. And this is why the foundational truth, he says, this is first. This is greatest because what is going to sustain you on your pursuit of loving people, loving your family, loving your fa spiritual family is, you have to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you with a ferocious love that will not relent and it will not quit. And from that place now, when I am betrayed, Think about Jesus making this statement, knowing that hours later, as he says, the way God loves me, I love you, knowing that they were going to betray him. That that very night they would go and they would all scatter and they would be afraid after years of following him. I believe this is what liberated their heart on the other side of the resurrection, knowing God knew. How many of you know God knows you? He, he knows. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the He knows the weaknesses of our heart. Yet still, while we were sinners, He sent His Son to liberate us from all bondage. So the great reset for us, the great reset, the great equalizer is: Can I give God my whole heart? Can I continue to make space for God to invade? Can I continue to approach the word in such a way where it's like, I'm not just going to do religious duty. I'm not just going to go about my, my, my one day, my three day, whatever plan. I'm, I'm going to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is the greatest leader? We have lost our way because we have stopped relying on the Holy Spirit. I was reading this book and I, just, I, want, I want to share something with you that I thought was, just, was so, it really gripped me. I was on my front porch and I was reading, um, it's called God's Glory. Great book, but it's talking about years ago when, when many, the generation started to leave the church, many pastors started to ask why. Why are people leaving the church? Why are people just not interested in God? So they did this huge poll. They started to pull people. They did an assessment, a survey. They're asking, why do you no longer want to go to church? What's the reasoning why you no longer want to engage in a church family? And the research was well done, and many would say it was necessary, but it was eye-opening. Because as they started to engage unbelievers, they started to receive this feedback. The community was asking for four things. Again, these were unbelievers, not baptized by the Holy Spirit. Say, we don't want to go to church because we want services to be positive and uplifting. We want to shorten the length of the worship service to an hour or below that you would provide a dynamic and entertaining children's ministry. Number four, stop the weird stuff. The charismatic demonstrations calling pe causing people to feel uncomfortable. And the point the book was making was, as a result from a good place of wanting to reach people, we locked the Holy Spirit out of the church. And we put the Holy Spirit in the back room because we're too worried about offending people, but we never asked the question, how does God feel? I don't know about you, man, but I'm a family union. There's four of us. I love every one of them, but if you were to lock one of them in the back room, we're going to have issues. I don't care if I still got the other two. You locked one in the room, bro. And for many of us, what God is doing in, in, in the 
praise the Lord, I'm playing music here. The hymn of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's literally the name of the song. Never heard that song in my life. <laughs> Never. Wow. Listen, everything's prophetic to us. We're charismatics. Everything's prophetic. It means something. But think about the end result. And we ask the question, why are so many Gen, Gen Zs and all just leaving the church? Because we've lost the only real thing we had. We thought with lights and smoke, pizza, sodas, whatever, we, whatever it was, come to this and we're going to give away TVs and we're giving away everything but the Holy Spirit. And now we get back to this base level and we're like, how can I love the Lord with all my heart? I don't even know how to engage with the Holy Spirit. Can I go to another 101 class where somebody can teach me how to hear God's voice instead of knowing that God says man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's not for the priest. And even if it was, you are a priest. <laughs> it's who you are. But this call to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, I want to say again, it will liberate your heart. It will set your heart free. You'll stop doing that thing you do on Saturday nights. You'll stop going to that website you go where nobody's looking. You'll stop that inward talk on the inside that is speaking negativity. It's prophesying death to you because you stop evaluating yourself by the success of others and say, no, I'm successful. I'm successful. My heart every day is reaching towards God. It may not look like this person or that person, but every day I've settled. I've made a decision. I'm setting my heart on a course. Now with this in mind, the question that I had to ask myself is, how does that stack up against my life and my core values? We all have goals, right? And for many of us, if we were to change the narrative, this is what, if you don't hear anything else today, this is the one seed I want to plant in your heart, that you would begin to ask the Holy Spirit every day, show me what it means to be loved by God in the way the Father loves the Son. And impart this love to me. In John 17, Jesus would say to the disciples, he would pray this in the high priestly prayer, high priestly prayer. He would say this, the love that we share, Father, impart that love into them. John 17, 26, that the love that we have, that it may be in them. If you were to begin to pray that, because if we're to be honest, most of us, what we talk to God about most is our opportunities and our difficulties. God, you said, God, you said I'm going to. Or God, I rebuke so-and-so in the name of Jesus. I pray blessings of coal on them. Whatever, whatever it is. This, is. this is our primary way, we, the, our primary language. When we talk to God is God, you said, therefore I want to experience. Or God, I'm pushing against the principalities of darkness. What I'm saying is the greater way to approach your prayer life and your your interactions with God would be, God, I want you to show me what it means to live John 15, 9. Gets very few amens. Because many people would be more happy with stadiums than, than experiencing the fullness of God's love. It's satisfied. No, no, no. Talk to me about money. I want to be blessed. Talk to me about opportunity. I want people to see me. I need more. And what I'm saying to you is God wants to give you more. Say he does. He does. God wants to bless you. But you are directly being opposed by God because the secondary thing has become the primary thing. The assignment by God cannot replace God. You can do a whole lot for the Lord of the house and never know him. So as we strip back and we ask ourselves, what, what, what am I going to give my heart to in 2023? I would say, man, what if we made it so simple? It's like, I'm just going to set my heart to love God. Yeah, come on. Now you're like, well, Gio, give me four steps. I, I can give you a few things that, that they may help you on your journey, but the reality is only you know you. Only you know the longings of your heart. And the beautiful thing about this whole thing is every single one of us is different. The way I'm wired and Lewis is wired and Tyler, it's different. Therefore, as we approach God, this is the beautiful thing about God knowing you, that only he can know what really makes your heart turn ablaze. Only he can satisfy. How many of you have been in that place where you felt so frustrated, so empty, so tired, like, like you're a car in the mud, your wheels are spinning, but you're going nowhere? 
And eventually you get to barrenness, bottom zero, and you go, okay, let me try God. Just going to give him five. And all of a sudden, you begin to come alive again. No apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, nobody laid hands on you. But all of a sudden, the king of glory met you in those five minutes. And there was a glimmer of hope. He begins to remind you about the promises he's spoken. How the same promises he fulfilled in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm I'm still that God. (laughs) It's still who I am. This is why it's so important that you know God and that you don't know God through Geo. This is why we're moving into a season where we're going to sing songs that have never been sung. Like, man, the people just didn't get it. doesn't matter. We're singing it to him. He loved it. I want my kids to grow up that way. What, 50 years on the road, they're worshiping. He's like, oh, I don't care. My song's to Jesus. I'm not trying to move you in my, I'm not trying to get you to go in my flow. Me and the Holy Spirit have a flow. Do you see how this changes the dynamics of how we engage with God? Listen, do the coachings, do the mentorings, live your best life, but do it with him at the center. Many of us, and I'm not, this is not a dogmatic me saying, oh, you sit. this is me saying, Gio's done this. I've sat down in January and gone, what do I want to do? What's in my heart? And I would write it all down. And then about January 2nd or 3rd, I'd go, God, how do you feel? Can you please, can you bless this? I know I didn't ask you, but please, I worked hard on this. And I think it would make me, and God's like, no, 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 none, none of that stuff would satisfy. I'm trying to give you something that would liberate your heart. I want to live this way. Do you understand the power of that phrase, a liberated heart? A heart that is free from comparison, from bitterness, from unforgiveness, from body, see how it gets quiet? Because we've all experienced this level of, of pain. And so we think, if I could only move up the ladder at work, or maybe if I sleep more or eat better or go to the gym, all of those things are great. Do you, boo-boo? In the midst of all of that, God's like, oh, it's that, I'm knocking at the door. And I'm just hoping that someone would hear. You've been, man, how awkward is it when you're knocking on somebody, you don't even know if it's the right house, you're like, me and my wife always, we go to somebody's house, like, is this the right house? Especially my wife. She's like, this isn't it. Let's leave. <laughs> this is so much anxiety. But, but, but it's the way I feel like God is approaching us in this season. For many of you, you haven't come to the altar months, maybe years, because you're just afraid of what's going to be found as you meet him. I can tell you what's going to be found. Love. Like, man, I just need a prophetic word. For t- I got the greatest prophetic word that you will ever receive. God's plan, God's desire, God's purpose, that you would love him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. No, I need a better prophet. I don't want like a Sean, but say my phone number. Uh, people got to hear how great I am. They got to understand my prophetic death. Stop it. The greatest prophetic word you got. I, I, I can gather all the best prophets in the world. The greatest prophetic word you will ever really receive about God's plans for you is that you would love him with all of your heart, your longings, all of your mind, that you would begin to be, become, I'm going to have to take more time because I have so many notes. I'm on page three. <laughs> that you would begin to become intentional about what you allow into your mind. That you would begin to give yourself to the word. Like, I don't even know if this, if this really does anything. Just give it time. Yeah. I'm telling you, just every day, it's not about feeling. Man, if I, if I were to tell, man, every time I go into my prayer room, God strikes me with, with thunderings and lightnings. It's glory and angels. No. Man, it's God, you said that I'll find you in these pages. I don't know. I don't feel inspired today. I don't, I, I don't feel goosebumps, God, but I made a decision. You said that you would wash me with the water of your word. So if I feel unclean, yeah, I'm going to come to the altar. I'm gonna, but, the, but the principal thing, I'm, I'm going to get back to this word. And it's this crazy dynamic with, because in the natural, when you don't eat, you get hungry. But in the spiritual, everything's opposite. To live, you've got to die. To receive, you've got to give. Therefore, to be hungry, you've got to begin to eat. I'm telling you, just a little bit of time saying, God, I want to find you. 
Maybe don't start in Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Maybe don't start there. <laughs> be, be wise. <laughs> the book of Lamentations. Let's just, let's start in John. But what I'm saying is, let's find ways to inspire our heart. Like, I don't like reading. Play it on an app. Whatever you've got to do to get the word of God in you so that your mind can be renewed. In John 15, Jesus says that my word would abide in you. And at the conclusion, he says, I'm telling you those things so that my joy would abound in you. Do you see this? It's not just religious duty saying, no, no, no. As you make space for me in your heart and my word gets inside of you and you remain in the revelation, remaining in God's love is not just a, a locale. Like, man, maybe I just go to prayer 913 more. That's fine, come. But the only reason that we have prayer room at 913 is so that you would experience the glory of the person. Remaining in God's love, John 15, God's love would look like you saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me understand this. I want to live in this love. I want to thank you for this love. I want to, let's just do that right now. Just close your eyes. God, we just want to thank you for this love. We don't understand what it means that you love me the way the Father loves you. But Holy Spirit, we're asking you to impart this in us. We're asking you to show us what it means to receive love in this way to be inspired by this love, to receive this love, to be moved and gripped by this love that removes shame and obligation and striving and comparison and bitterness and anger. Because you said as we remain in this love, we would be joyful. Oh. We're praying for liberated hearts. Father, we pray, John 17, that the love which is in you would be imparted into us. We need this. We need this. We need this. Every day, every day you can approach him in that way. Before I go down my prayer list and my prophetic promise, God, I want to know your love. I'm going to anchor into this. John 15, 9, you said that I need to remain, which means to, to fix my thoughts on the revelation of your love. That I would continually meditate on this, that I would think about it. How am I receiving this? How am I living this? Which then in turn will, will, will produce in you, how am I releasing this? You see how it always leads to second commandment? In Deuteronomy 4, we get insight into Exodus 19, where the people of Israel are being liberated from captivity, from Egypt. They're led, and they're stepping into 400-plus-year promise. And as they're there, mind you, there's a mountain. There's fire. There's lightnings. There's thunderings. The people, maybe two to three million people, maybe are at the base of this mountain. All of a sudden, the crit. This isn't like, I know we read it. We saw it on VeggieTales. We're familiar with this. I know we saw it. We get it. No. The mountain is shaking. Like if this building started shaking and a fog set in, there would be quick repentance. They're like, oh, oh. I get right. This was going on. And they go, Moses goes up the mountain and what everybody, and he goes up the mountain for a purpose, to receive instruction. Now that we have been liberated from captivity, what is to be our new way of life? Mind you, years and generations of slavery, one way of life, you do what Pharaoh says. Now they're approaching God. Moses ascends up the mountain, which, which I believe is a major theme for some of you this year. God is calling you to ascend to go higher than you've ever gone, to go lower than you've ever been in humility, but to experience depths of glory that you've never experienced. It's another message. As Moses comes up, the summary of the message is this. I know, guys, the, the God, imagine Moses, the God who quakes, who makes the mountain shake with thunderings and fire. They're like, yeah, 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 what does he want? He wants to be betrothed to us. He wants to love us and he wants us to love him. They're like, no, 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 bro. 
What does he, this, this is what he wants. So he would says this in Deuteronomy 4, 6. He says, you shall love the Lord God. That's where it came from. It wasn't just for, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind. But fast forward to Deuteronomy 30. He gives us prophetic promise. And he says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 1 through 6, he says, he moves from you should to you will. This is so powerful for you. Because you have to understand that you're not just hoping. God has promised you that in the generation before the return of the Lord, he is circumcising hearts. And he is giving us the ability. I have to read it so you don't believe me. Deuteronomy 36 says, the Lord will circumcise your heart to love him with all of your heart. God never speaks a word or a promise without giving you the grace and the ability to step into that. It would be cruel. Meaning the mere fact that he promised this and he gave it to us as the generation. Listen, God can come back within the next 50, 60 years. This is not a time to play games. Are you alive? It's not a time for that. Like, by the time my children are adults, they could be standing before the Lord. Now, if this doesn't create a sense of urgency in us, there's a problem with us. I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. That we would start to evaluate, man, if, if Judah's gonna stand before the Lord by the time he's 30, how can I prepare him to stand wholehearted before him and say, I loved you well. I gave my heart not to any other lover. I stayed fat. It was weak and I, I diverted at times, but I kept coming towards you. Every year I evaluated myself, how can I love you better? Could you imagine? We're, we're a, we are a generation of home runs. One day God's going to touch me and it's all going to go away. No. Steady, consistent, one step forward. One step. I'm telling you, this will heal you. Because all you can see is your failures. And all I'm asking you to do is keep the conversation going. Don't stop asking them. I know you messed up. I know you're frustrated. I know that it wasn't all you thought of, but I'm saying, what if you started to say, God, I need you to help me. Love you. Four years ago, I think I was in a living room with Tyler and he made a statement that, that really impacted me. He said this, he said, I was listening to this gentleman talk about Jesus and loving God. He said, and I did not love him in that way. So I asked the Lord, I need you to help me love you in this way. Like, you can pray that? Seriously. Because for most of us, either we think we do or we don't. We do, you do or you don't. You love him or you, but for many of us, if we were to be honest, we, we are easily swayed. This is a, I'm telling you, I, I don't care what you think about me. Three or four times a year, God has to confront me and say, Gio, you've got to come back. Gio, you're doing a lot. Even at staff meeting, we were sharing about 2023. And one of the people in the room said, I know that what God is doing in us is great, but I feel like God is saying to us, like the church of Ephesus, I know that everybody knows you and you do great things, but don't forget first love. What I'm saying is every single one of us, if we're not careful, we have the tendency for our hearts to grow dull. We revert back to patterns of thinking. This is all of us. And the great antidote for us is that we would consistently have these conversations. How are you living, Matthew 22? When was the last time somebody asked you that? How's your life going? Everything is, bro, it sucks. You don't know, bro. It's been, it's been a week. It's been a month. And a month becomes a year. And you know, life just sucks. I want to change it. I want to, how are you living Matthew 22? Oh, I know it's hard. How are you navigating that scripture in the midst of the hard? Are you bringing him that pain? Maybe you're coming to a prayer room. You're angry with God. Why don't you talk to him about that frustration? I'd be lying to you if I didn't sit in this room and say, God, I don't feel you, bro. And I just need a little love right now. This is the journey of the Christian life. That we reach for him and we continually pursue because he said, he said, I didn't say, he said, I will give you a circumcised heart that will have the ability to love me with all of it. Amen, yeah? Let me see if there's anything else I want to say. <laughs> This is the last thing I'll say as the band makes their way up. In the very beginning of the upper room discourse, which would be John 13 through 17. I want you to be familiar with this. John 13, upper room discourse. 
In John 14, he says, if you love me, you will obey me. Which means at a certain point, God is tying loving to the spirit of obedience. Now, for many of us, this is, this is, this is why by, by like April, we're discouraged with our goals. Like this is the year I lose 75 pounds. This is it. I know I've been saying it since 2016, but this is the year I get it. And by March, we're like, I just suck at life. I can't even not eat a donut. <laughs> Krispy Kreme is like prophesied, calling me in the night. You know what I mean? Like, this is who we, this is who we are. If there's a hot and ready sun under Krispy Kreme, I just believe it's God's will for me to stop. <laughs> I don't know if that's in the Bible or not. I just believe that. In, in the midst of, of all of that swaying, which is just being human, what anchors, what does an anchor do? When, when you put an anchor down in a boat, the boat still moves. <laughs> if I put an anchor in the middle, that boat has the ability to go all around, but it keeps it central. This is what anchors us. It's what keeps us from swaying, from making our lives about things. And I don't know about you, but the more I've thought, actually, I did that atlas and I bought it and I haven't moved past that page. Cause I'm like, I want to write something down that's sincere. I don't just write some crap down. I want to, I, I don't know, man. When, when, when my kids stand up at the end of my life should the Lord tarry, I think the, the greatest thing that I would want them to say is he really loved Jesus. I saw him reading his Bible and weeping before the Lord. I saw him in prayer rooms, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. We knelt down every night and we sought the Lord. My dad taught me to pray. He taught me to value the word. Do you see what I'm saying to you? Maybe some of the things that we're giving our lives to are none of the things that we're gonna be remembered for, yet are sucking the very life out of all of the things that will liberate us. Again, this is the great equalizer. And this is a great moment to just say shame off of you. Shame off of you. This is not geo-pointing. I'm saying like, man, let's as a spiritual family recenter our hearts. The most powerful prophetic thing you could maybe do right now is for some of you to come down with your husband and your wife and say, we're making covenant to set our heart towards this. I'm not trying to hit a home run. Maybe it just looks like, hey, tomorrow morning, we're gonna wake up, we're gonna hold hands and we're gonna pray. Once a week, we're gonna make space for my wife and I, we're like, we're doing Sabbath. Not because it's a law, but because I wanna enjoy my kids. And I wanna, I wanna enter into rest that it promises in Hebrews. I don't know what it means for you, but it starts with this, God, I'm setting my heart to know you. I'm not making the first commandment, the third commandment, and I'm not gonna treat it as a great suggestion. It's the great commandment that I would love you. And I know that word love has lost, it's lost potency. Because with the same breath I say I love God, I can say I love Taco Bell. Somewhere along the line, it loses its oomph. But this, this agape love is a wholehearted, it is a gripping of heart. You wake up in the morning, I want you. You go to sleep at night, I'm thankful that I had you. <laughs> it, it's all, all in. So can we just stand all across the room? Psalm 91, 14 says this, because he has set his love, his heart upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I want you to hear that again. Psalm 91, for anyone in the room, I'm not gonna sit here and say, who has, who's dealing with what? I just wanna anchor us into a promise in the Bible. Because he has set his love, his heart upon me, capital M, therefore I will deliver him. 
as I was in prayer for this morning, I really felt that God was shifting people. There was a, there was a divine shift. And my prayer for you is that you would shift with God. That you would not spend one, two, three, four months wrestling with Him in the place of comfortability, but that you would just say, God, I'm just setting my heart. <laughs> Do you, as I set my heart on Him, He brings deliverance. I don't know what you need to be delivered from, but it's His promise. Deliverance is available to all those who set their heart. So here's what I want to pray for today. Anyone in the room that is dealing with, with sin issues, and I'm going to have everybody come at the same time. I'm not really interested in differentiating. But the first group would be those that, that they have stuff that they need to be healed from, delivered from, liberated from, freed from, that you would come forward before the Lord and that we would pray for you, you would, whatever you've got to do to deal with God. But the other group, and again, we'll all come together, would be this. A group of people that are saying, I'm setting my heart on this one thing this sole ambition as a family unit that we're going to make the Lord first so that we can be great. I don't think God has any problem with greatness. I think the problem is with our definition of greatness. So God, we're setting our hearts to this, that we would put you first so that when we can stand before you, our life choices can be evaluated as great. So I'm going to pray for us and then you guys can respond however you'd like. I would love to anoint and pray for those as they make this decision to step forward. Just yes and amen that. So Jesus, Father, we ask in Jesus' name, in this moment, that you would give us as a spiritual family the capacity, the grace, the desire to pursue you with all of our hearts not to pursue you for a title, for a special anointing, for a calling, but that from a place of wholehearted love, we would pursue you. Father, for those in the room that are struggling with sin and patterns of bondage, we ask for grace to come forward today that as they set their heart on you, we declare Psalm 91, that you will bring deliverance upon them. So as the worship team releases this, I just want to encourage you to just slip out. If something's stirring in your heart as they're worshiping, we just want to make space. We're going to anoint and we're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would open our eyes, that you would open up our hearts to see. Father, we pray deliverance for all of those who are captive, struggling with issues of sin. We pray for a liberation of heart, God, in Jesus' name. 
the seats, could you just stretch your hands forward? Can we just pray for these ones right now? Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for an impartation of John 17, of John 15. Father, we ask that you would manifest yourself in greater ways, God. That you would show up in dreams and visions and visitations, God. We thank you for stability of heart. That you would deposit a deep longing and a deep desire by the Holy Spirit. God, would you release a spirit of desperation for the things of God? Would you open our eyes to see the revelation of your love, your abounding grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness, your patience. satisfaction of our heart that there would be a grace to ascend to go higher to go deeper in love to experience you like never before experiencing God's love I feel like there's a blockage between receiving his love would you just lift up your hands if you're around we just want to pray I just felt to pray it's okay if there's a few anyone else yeah just all around let's just pray hey can I, I need some people to pray with me here father we ask you for grace a supernatural grace to experience love
I just want to pray for those who were like Tyler, who were like, Lord, I don't love you in that way. But I, yeah, Jesus, we just thank you that your word says that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And so Holy Spirit, we are asking that you would teach us to love you in the way that you desire to be loved. God, would you create a holy desperation in your people that says, I have got to have him no matter what it looks like, no matter what it costs, that I have to have you. God, would you give us grace for our lives to align with the word of God in every area where there is unalignment, God, that you would cause an alignment with your word. Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Would you teach us to lean in when we hear the knock at the door, God? Would you give us the grace to say yes and open the door? God, where there's distraction, where we're filling ourselves with all the things, God, would you give us the grace to say yes to the knock at the door, the gentle whisper that's calling us in. Teach your people to love you well, God. I just felt that, that as Gio was talking, like I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. It's because it's not you. It's actually his grace that comes upon you that teaches you to love him. It's his strength, not ours. So God, we thank you for your strength, for your grace, for your teaching, for your leading. Give us the grace to submit and to lean into the voice of Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Before we pray one last time, I want to give some instruction for something we felt the Lord say. Um, we felt like God was leading us as a community to go through 50, 51 chapters of the Bible together as a community. So I'm asking you, as we've talked about getting the word in us, we're going to take one chapter of the Bible every week and we're going to read it. We're going to memorize one verse out of every chapter every week. We want to get the word of God deep in us. Amen. Say amen. So I'm asking you every, every day to just open up your Bible. This week we're going to do John 15. And I'm going to ask you every day to just pray John 15, 9. Just every day, just say it, God, would you deposit this love into us? And I actually have a template for how to go through this. Hey, Riley, will you put up that last slide? If you want to take a picture, this is just a way to meditate on the Word. You write down the verse, what God is saying to you in the verse, and what you're going to pursue because of it. That right side is just what are you going to, just things you do during the day. If you want to, we'll post it on Facebook, but I want us to do this together. I want us to go on a journey into God's Word. It's not enough just to have good spiritual experiences. Say amen. We have to know His Word. So this week, every day, Gio is going to be reading John 15 and reciting John 15, 9. I'm asking us as a community, let's get this deep in us. Think about this. By the end of this year, you would have memorized 51 scriptures you didn't know last year. We're going to get the Word in us and we're going to meditate on it and it is going to bring transformation. Amen. Amen. John 15, so grab the hand of the person next to you. I want to pray. I want to bless you one more time. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would release great grace as we study John 15 this week. God, that you would release a revelation of your love, a revelation of the love of the Father for the Son and the Son for us. God, we ask as they embark on this journey in 2023, let it be full of life. Let it be full of abundance. Let it be full of joy. Let it be full of peace that the shalom of God would rest upon their home. God, that you would give them strategy for living this out. That they would go higher than they've ever gone. That they would experience glory they've never experienced, God. As we give our hearts to your word, we ask that it would wash us again and again. We want to know you. We want to know you. We ask for a grace to know you in the knowledge. That we would grow in the knowledge of you. Be with every person here, God. As some have committed to set their hearts towards you, to love you with all of their heart, mind, and strength, we say, let it be. Father, let it be. We say, amen. Let it be. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Listen, if you're doing business with God, you can remain. If not, we'll see you in prayer room. Bless you. Bless you. I believe the kids are going to be having a meeting again. We're going to be going through John 15 this week. Our key verse, John 15, 9. Have an amazing week.